their sentiment is, is, is business is still business. And a lot of things have changed with remote work and um, essential versus non-essential. But at the end of the day, business is still business. And so just to remember that and to remember, you know, what do you do well and, and to keep doing that. From Rain Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down complicated and mundane topics and give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader while helping your organization to grow and thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, visit our website at www.raycpa.com slash podcast and sign up for updates. If 2020 taught us any lessons, particularly the fact that no matter how hard you try, you will never truly be prepared for everything. Even so, understanding the essential functions of your business may keep you going strong until you are able to get back on course. Today, Andrew Geyser, a senior manager on Rain Associates Manufacturing and Distribution Services team, is here to share his projections for 2021. I also hear he might share a few recommendations for mastering the art of resilience within the manufacturing industry. Welcome back to Unsuitable, Andrew. Thanks, Doug. It's good to be back. And so I appreciate you having me on. Always, always love hearing about your expertise uh, in the manufacturing sector. And for those in the audience that don't know, right, you spent time certainly inside industry on the manufacturing side. So you've got that great perspective as well. So you don't miss that too much, though, do you? Uh, I mean, there's days where I, looking back on it, that it was it was a lot of fun when I was doing it. But uh, I would say overall, no, I'm pretty happy where I'm at and really enjoy helping out manufacturers and other our other clients uh, with all of their needs and issues. So, yeah, that's the great thing. I I spent time on the other side of the desk, so to speak, as well. And I think you know the fun part about what we do is you get to help so many different companies right you see so many different situations and and you try to take uh, those best practices and you know put them into play for folks um because it's it's easy for us to forget that most of our business owners it's maybe the only company they've ever known it's you mm-hmm. know family operation and you know that's all they've seen and and uh it's it's easy not to have the perspective that that we have so yep that's great so 2020, obviously just a crazy year that none of us could have predicted. Talk a little bit about what, what you've seen overall in, in the manufacturing sector and how it was initially impacted with, with COVID and then bounce back and wh- where you think we are. Yeah. So I think initially it was, you know, a lot of people were just on edge trying to figure out how the various you know, governor orders across the different states affected them and whether they were essential or not. But once we kind of worked through that and got out of that, I think really manufacturing in general, from what we've seen, has rebounded very strongly. A lot of that has been dependent on the specific industry that that your customer base is. Cause because one of the things that that we've heard is we've had, we've seen, you know, pretty much identical companies you know, in the same industry located very closely together that 
one has had a great year, one has had a little bit of a down year. And a lot of the determining factor of that is simply who are they selling to mm. and what industry were their customers in and was that industry essential or not. And so, but all that aside, I would say looking back on it and where kind of where we're at now, at least here in Holmes County, where, where I'm at and the surrounding counties is this things are looking good. People are busy and they've got a lot of work to get done. So um, overall, fairly positive uh, right now. Yeah, I would say, you know, certainly throughout our footprint, I know, you know, for me in central Ohio and more in southeastern Ohio, overall, it seems that the manufacturing sector has has fared well. Most of my clients in the in the construction real estate space who mm-hmm. obviously are, are somewhat tied to manufacturing, they're either working at those facilities, building those facilities or distribution, et cetera, continues to look really, really good as, as we move forward. So Yeah, so. I think one of the biggest issues we're seeing right now is actually more on the supply side mm-hmm. and supply chain issues, just getting materials, whether it's steel, lumber, or you name it, it's it's getting those materials and getting them timely and and also just with the rising costs and managing those on that side. That's That's been one of the biggest issues we've seen and we're working through now. So. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you on the on the supply chain issue. Do you do you see that trend continuing to where organizations are evaluating those those supply chains and and either trying to source from more suppliers or bring those closer to them? Yeah, I think I see people continuing to evaluate that and looking at where where their product and their materials are coming from. I think the other thing that that they might, they're going to be evaluating is their suppliers. Who else are they selling to? Because we've seen some of that squeeze where someone may have been a big fish before to a supplier, and now now they're a little fish because another bigger bigger player has entered and, and is now buying from that supplier. So um, we've seen some of that as well. And so I think just in general. Having the doing those evaluations and understanding their supply chain is going to be critically important as as we move forward. As as right now, it's becoming an issue to the point where it's it's limiting growth for wow, people, yeah. and so we, people are, are expressing that you know I could grow I could grow X percent more, but I just can't get the materials and then the supply chain. Yeah, that's interesting. What about the labor market? Because we we continue to hear about shortages in in labor areas. Is that abating at all, or is that still an issue for for a lot of manufacturers? That's still an issue, and you know that was you know looking back on it, you know that was an issue before the before the pandemic, and and really the pandemic kind of made exacerbated it when you look at the fact, you know, with the extra uh, federal unemployment enhancement. You know that that took away some of the incentive for for folks to work, and we're seeing that. And a lot of our manufacturers are feeling that. And then that that was obviously restored here within the Consolidated Appropriations Act that was passed at the end of December. It wasn't as big of an enhancement, but it was still there. And so that that's had a major impact on the manufacturing industry and and the labor market as a whole. So it's it's still an issue, and it's still something that that. Our manufacturers are really trying to work through and figure out, you know, where to get that labor from. Yeah, we we hear that often. It's like, you know, you, you see obviously unemployment very high in some sectors, such as, mm-hmm. you know, retail, hospitality, but it's not as simple as taking somebody from 
that industry and then just, you know, training them overnight, right. And throwing yeah. them into, doesn't, doesn't work that way. There's, you know, longer term factors to try to recruit and, mm-hmm. and get those people. Yeah. Anymore. A lot of our, our labor force in, in manufacturing is, is highly skilled with the amount of automation that's out there and just with the machinery that's being used, it's not, you know, your, your classic, you know, manual, manual labor anymore. It's highly skilled labor and and it does take time to develop those skills and recruit those skills. Yeah. And to that point, you know, when you look at automation, obviously that, you know, the advancements in technology and automation, you you see that continuing, I I would imagine uh, in, in the coming decade or years ahead. Yeah, I think, you know, that's something we've been talking about internally and with our clients is, is the impact of that, of automation. And I think it's, it's only going to grow because we're getting to the point from what we're seeing in the labor market, similar to the supply chain issues that we were just talking about is where it's becoming a growth limiter. Mm. And so having those conversations around, you know, can you really expect to grow over the next five years, you know, X percent? And, you know, what does that mean from growing your labor force? And is that even a realistic goal or a realistic number? And so that's, that's an especially prevalent issue here in our area as I don't know if it still is, but the unemployment rate here in Holmes County was the lowest in the state. I think it was down maybe around 1%. And it, it's, it's to the point now where it's almost a war for people. Some of the bigger manufacturers are winning out because they can offer more competitive you know, comp packages and, and, and the like. And so from our standpoint, you know, we're just trying to, to plant the seeds and say, you know, from an automation, you know, what are you doing? What are you looking at to help support that growth? Because it's probably not realistic to think you're going to be able to increase your, your labor force to a great degree without significantly higher costs. So that's a, that's a great point. I think that, and that's where you're, and in my experience, you're so astute when, when you, and I've experienced this firsthand with you, you, you know, you walk through a facility of, of one of our manufacturing clients and, and point some of those things out and ask those questions. Uh, to me, the value you provide and, and what you get owners to think about it is just fantastic. Because as you said, you know, even though a piece of equipment that significantly up, upgrades, it might be quite costly. It really maybe cheaper than trying to find, you know, two extra people to, to work with existing the equipment that's not so efficient. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about how they're, you know, talk about to that end, some of the things you, you do look for when you go through a facility and uh, what you notice, what questions you ask, all those types of things. So one, one of the things that I focus on is, is just the process, trying to think through What's actually happening? How is material moving? What what are people doing? What are machines doing? What are those actions? And really looking for, you know, really where could we potentially put a piece of machinery to help elite, whether it's a dangerous task that, you know, to help from a safety standpoint or from an efficiency standpoint. Where can where can we start start interjecting those types of things into the process and um and help help gain efficiency is really what it comes down to. So that's one of the biggest things that I look for. Yeah, and just I mean the the things you notice, the detail, it's it's phenomenal to watch, really. So, see, and I, I'm telling the audience, Andrew is not your typical CPA. You know, that's <laughs> that's what but what makes what he does so cool. I think 
talk a little bit about like, you know, it's a great time for clients to kind of take it, that step back and really evaluate everything they're doing. Maybe talk about sales and marketing a little bit. Do you, do you have those conversations too with, with clients? Yeah, those have started, started to become more and more prevalent. Just with everybody, everybody seems to be backlogged and they've got, they've got long lead times. They're busy. They've got plenty of work to do. And it's gotten to the point where some of them are pulling back on, you know, the marketing aspect and the sales aspect because they do have these lead times. And, you know, obviously you got to balance both. It's a balancing act, but it's just kind of trying to remind them that you can't forget about it because it is an essential part of business. And if you do forget about it, you know, the backlog is there now. But as we learned last year, we never know what could happen tomorrow or, or in, you know, in the next week. And, you know, you would hate to get stuck in a situation where, you know, you're working on a big, a big backlog, long lead times, and you can, you can put some of that, that sales and marketing type stuff to the wayside. And then all of a sudden that disappears. And now you've got quite an uphill battle to restart that and get that train moving again. And so, just trying to help help people understand, you know, to keep an eye on it, keep doing it, making sure they are balancing it, get keeping things in balance, uh, but not losing focus of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now that we're into obviously the the early part of a new new administration at at the federal level, can can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of emphasis? from the government uh, with regard to manufacturing, what changes we may see uh, perhaps come out of the, the Biden administration that might, might benefit folks? Yeah, I think if, there, if there's one thing we learned through the pandemic, it's that there's, we need to be able to be self-sufficient as a, as a country. And you know, when borders started closing and then it became more of an issue to get you know, the flow of goods just didn't happen as easily. Really, I think that that opens some eyes to to what we need to be doing in here in the U.S. And so I think with that, there is a renewed focus on, you know, domestic manufacturing and trying to incentivize the restart of that, whether it's, you know, abandoned old abandoned factories or properties or, or the construction of new. And so, you know, in looking through Biden's proposals, there is a there is a heavy emphasis on manufacturing. There's a there's a proposed made in America tax credit for renewed domestic production or expanded payroll. Um, and that was something that was floated around out by the Trump administration, never came to fruition. And then and ben Biden has actually um, included that in some of his proposals as well. We don't have a lot of detail as far as you know exactly how that would work, but we do know that it's part of the proposal. And then he's also floated out the idea of a manufacturing communities tax credit. Um, and so really not a whole lot of detail on that as well either. But at, at the very least, it's good to see that manufacturing is is heavy and hot on, on their minds and, and they're, they're thinking about it. And so one other area I just thought of that that they're really emphasizing this is with, I think, is one of the executive orders that he signed uh, relating to Made in America and um, federal contracts and federal spending and, and that the, that arena there and mandating the U.S. and domestic production of of stuff that the federal government's purchasing. So that was good to see as well. And we'll see once uh, what comes out of that. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, at least early on, there's some some traction to to uh, to certainly help 
the the uh, sector overall. And mm-hmm. I think some of, sometimes the misnomer that, that people have it's it's not that the the same type of manufacturing that we've had in the past necessarily comes back. I mean, we're not going to make autos in the same way that we did in the 1970s, you know, for instance, but that we focus on the the things that we do well here and and really incentivize those and emphasize those, right? Yep. Yeah. And so for for the manufacturing that does come back and, and manufacturing growth in general, you know, it is going to look different. Um, I think manufacturing already looks different from even not too long ago, just with the automation and with the the skill level that's needed um, in in our manufacturing facilities for for to keep them running and keep keep the machines running and and all the maintenance and and everything that goes into that. And so, yeah, I agree. It's going to look different, but I think it's going to be a positive different. Yeah, that's good. And you touched a little bit on it's something that reminded me. You talked a little bit about you know, government contracts and thing, things like that. Can you touch a little bit on this new CMMC requirement related to cybersecurity? I know you're not uh, obviously a cyber expert. We've got another team that does that, but I, I know you're certainly aware of it from government contract perspective. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I'm definitely not a cyber expert, but um, I know just a tiny bit enough to be dangerous from our cyber services team and Sean Sean Richardson and Paul Hugenberg and their team, but from what from what I understand is it's it's basically a new framework for cybersecurity that the Department of Defense has partnered with. Um, I believe it's NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technologies. But you might not want to quote me on that. And it's it's basically upping the game for cybersecurity for for businesses that are hold federal contracts and are doing work for the federal government and have access to certain levels of classified information and making sure that they have the controls and the hardware infrastructure in place from a cybersecurity standpoint. And the interesting thing is in talking with our cyber team is it, it se- this framework seems to go beyond that mm-hmm. in that it, it's culture too. There's an emphasis on the, the cybersecurity culture at, at companies that are holding this information. And so the only thing that's about all I know. So I would encourage anyone that has questions or is affected by it to get in touch with our cyber services team because I, yeah, you definitely don't want me working on that. So, <laughs> but I can I can point you in the right direction. No, I know uh, from the construction side too. We've got uh, certainly some some of our contract clients that do work, uh, obviously for the government or the military, etc. And, and we've touched base with with them on this, and it's uh, yeah, definitely some some things to be aware of if you're at all touching anything that that relates to the government you've got to be on top of this stuff so and and as you said it's really it's good for the business's culture and and everything overall i think if you one of the things we've learned through you know M&A type work with clients is that you want to understand the risks that you have in your business and help mitigate those risks and all of that and that's a big part of what you do from a consultative point of view is try to point out risks, how you can help de-risk uh, for a business and get them in, in better shape. So that's, that's great stuff. Well, Andrew, what, what else are you working on? Talk a little bit about this uh, Southeast Ohio MEP. What, what's that all about? Yeah, so that's a that's a uh, project opportunity that we've been working on actually in conjunction uh, with our cyber team. So it's kind of a joint venture here within Ray between our cyber team and the manufacturing team here. And 
We're working with the manufacturing extension partnership down in Southeast Ohio, trying to, to just help, help clients understand their impacts, the impact that COVID has had on them and looking at areas of need that they have and whether or not there's opportunity for those clients to get assistance with the, any needs that they have as a result of some of the funding that came down from the CARES Act back last spring and into, into the MEPs across the nation. And so, you know, really just trying to make connections and connect the dots between clients that have needs and are, are, are struggling as a result of COVID and, you know, with, with some of that funding and, and getting them what they need so they can thrive and, and move on and, and get past the pandemic here. So pretty exciting opportunity. Still, I think it's still in the early phases, but we're pretty excited about it. So is it, is it a, a state level program? I know it came out of the, the CARES Act, but is it a state level or, or federal level type program? So it's more of a state level program. Okay. Uh, the MEPs work in conjunction with the Ohio Development Services Agency and, and they work together. And then, and so a lot of the funding uh, flows through there. So, okay. so yeah. take, take advantage of some different incentives and, and things mm-hmm. like that to, to assist. And you said this, this particular one that you're working on is Southeast Ohio region. So. Yep. Yeah. Southeast Ohio, that's kind of where we've been working and, and working with that, that MEP team there uh, down out of uh, OSU South centers is where they're located. Oh, okay. So. Awesome. That's great stuff. So, well, any uh, any last bit of wisdom uh, for our, our business owners out there as, as we move forward uh, into uh, the remainder of 21? Any thoughts of the day? So the, the one that I have is one that, that I've gotten now from a couple clients uh, as we've been talking just with the, how they're doing and what's going on. And, and these, these couple of these have all, they've all had really good years. They've, they've had, they've been able to to thrive through the, the pandemic. And their sentiment is, is, is business is still business. And a lot of things have changed with remote work and um, essential versus non-essential. But at the end of the day, business is still business. And so just to remember that and to remember, you know, what do you do well and, and to keep doing that. So yeah, that's uh, sage advice. Uh, we all need to persevere uh, yeah. through this. So good stuff. Well, thanks, Andrew. And uh, if you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.raycpa.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another Unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 